This election is a choice. This election will determine whether we can come together. This election is absolutely crucial. What's really important, of course, is 12 us in a giant stress-free rifle. Please explain. You're listening to the 4ZZZ Breaks the Election podcast. Hello election watchers, welcome to the 4ZZZ Breaks the Election podcast, where our newsroom breaks down what is happening in the election for May 13, 2022, just eight fall campaigning days away from the federal election. My name is Alexis Pink, I'm the news coordinator at 4ZZZ. Joining us today is the 4ZZZ newsroom. Hello, I'm Charlie, I'm a journalism communications student. Hi, I'm Eliza, I'm a journalism and international relations student. Hi, I'm Bianca and I'm a journalism and law student. And on today's podcast, we'll talk about the glass cliff for female politicians, a scuffle with a former Solomon Islands commissioner, reef relief on the way, and Sharky comes in like a wrecking ball. Okay, but we should start at the top. Um, Let's talk about glass cliffs. Bianca, what have you got for us? So a report from ANU's Global Institute for Women's Leadership has shown that only two in ten women are running in winnable seats this election. This has been referred to by the Institute as the glass cliff. They found that in the coalition, 46% of men were running in winnable seats, as compared to only 20% of women in the same position this election. Labor only had marginally better results with 24% of women running for winnable seats, as opposed to 33% of men. Professor Michelle Ryan identifies that increasing the number of female candidates they put forward at each election is important in ensuring our parliament represents the diversity of the community. The analysis calls on the evaluation of whether all parties are putting women forward to meet quotas. Ryan adds, we need to look at whether these candidates are simply stepping into seats that males aren't interested in, or if they will genuinely increase the diversity of our parliament. Another key detail that Ryan notes is that it was found that a majority of women from ethnic and linguistically diverse backgrounds were in these glass cliff unwinnable seats. So we know that the Australian Parliament isn't very representative of women overall. The Coalition has a particularly bad record on this, but Labor's record is only marginally better. Is that that reflection of Parliament in winnable seats also probably reinforces those ideas? Yeah, it's a bit of the political equivalent of hanging people out to dry, putting them in seats they're probably likely not going to win and then subsequently suggesting that it has something to do with their gender when it's not really related to that at all. It's kind of putting them in a losing position from the start. The numbers are worrying in general for keeping good numbers of women in Parliament, especially from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds. I think we need to look into the background as well in Parliament within the last few years. Even if we look back to Julia Gillard, her um, leadership was always questioned by, at the time, the coalition opposition. And um, she was criticised that she was unfit to lead Australia as she was unmarried and childless. However, if you look at her on the flip side, if she did have children, she would have probably have been attacked for the fact that she had other priorities. This is very different um, in New Zealand where they tend to be quite welcoming towards Jacinta Ardern, and she is very much admired. We all... So, Charlie, what's happening with the Solomon Islands High Commissioner stuff? What happened there? So, former High Commissioner to the Solomon Islands, Trevor Sofield, claims that he was manhandled after trying to speak with the Prime Minister in Tasmania yesterday. 
Sirfield originally planned to express his disappointment with the Morrison's government of handling the relations with the Pacific following the Solomon Islands forming security pact with China. However, when Sofield attempted to speak to the PM at the cheese shop and cafe yesterday, he got a frosty reception from Morrison's security detail. After being asked to leave the premises, Sofield persisted in his attempts to talk with the Prime Minister. Sofield told the PM, I was High Commissioner for four years, I think I have an insight into the way in which we have totally mishandled this particular aspect of our foreign policy. It is unclear whether or not the PM knew that Mr. Sofield was the second High Commissioner to the Solomon Islands. When he rebuked talking to him, Sofield added, This is an election. Surely you've got to be able to get access to the key actors in the election. This is meant to be a democracy. This occurred in the marginal seat of Bass in Tasmania, which is currently held by an LNP member, Bridget Archer. Is this a good look for the Prime Minister? Is this a important moment in the campaign trail? It's definitely not a great look. Um, for Scott Morrison at this stage of the election, um, considering how much talk there's been about the Solomon Islands throughout the entire campaign. But he's also sort of shown that he doesn't really want to have these public interactions. And that also is true of um, Anthony Albanese. It's not something necessarily unique to him, but it definitely doesn't reflect well on his campaign. I was just going to say, I think it is definitely reflective of Scott Morrison's, like the persistent pattern of avoiding people when he wants to and then trying to interact with people like the bushfires when he tried to shake someone's hand when he wants to. It's very much publicity-driven, I think. And if he doesn't want to be publicised for some, a bad interaction, like potential with Sofield here, then he's definitely going to try and avoid them. All right, that's fair call. Um, let's move on. Let's have a chat about the Barrier Reef. Charlie, what's going on there? So today the Labor Party have announced an increase of $194 million into funding for the conservation efforts, if elected. This would be additional to the $1 billion already announced by the federal government in January. Member for Griffith and Shadow Environmental Minister Terry Butler spoke this morning saying that they wanted the Reef 2050 plan extended into the future. Currently, this plan is not funded beyond 2023. This comes off the back of a report earlier this week from the Great Barrier Reef Marine Park Authority, which shows that 91% of the Great Barrier Reef has already been affected by coral bleaching. Greens leader Adam Bant commented that regardless of funding, both parties' refusal to commit to keeping global temperature below 1.5 degrees has given the reef a death sentence. Okay, let's start at the top there. That claim by the Greens that this is a death sentence. Is there some foundation for that? Well, what is interesting is that the Labour Party have um, sort of not backed away from any sort of um, future investment in fossil fuels, and they haven't quite met the reduction of emissions by 2030 to 50%, and instead sort of landing on a moderate target of 43%. So I think it's more so the Greens um, sort of pushing that their uh, policy will be better for the Great Barrier Reef um, if elected. When the problem with coral bleaching is climate change and acidification... Is this really going to do very much? Or is this sort of window dressing as far as policy is concerned? I think the Labour Party is in a real spot where they are trying to appeal to the broadest section of the population. So they don't want to scare people away from either side, from far right and far left, who may want like 
hardcore action on climate change and climate policy and others who want to keep going with fossil fuels and coal. So I think they're trying to land somewhere in the middle to try and appeal to as many people as possible. So there is another aspect of this. Um, Terry Butler herself is facing quite a strong challenge from the Greens in her area. Is this policy about protecting her own seat as much as it is about protecting, say, the reef? I think definitely, like, um, Max Chandler has definitely got a lot of support in Griffith um, so far. So Terry Butler sort of announcing this plan is definitely appealing to, like, as you were saying, um, a lot of people in the fence. But also on paper is hard to disagree with if you say we're going to increase funding for the Great Barrier Reef. Uh, it's kind of a very popular um, policy, really. Let's move on. <laughs> we're going to talk about Rebecca Sharkey last. Eliza, what's happening there? So federal MP Rebecca Sharkey, um, she's an independent MP, and she's threatened to take legal action against the Australian Christian lobby after the group distributed flyers that pictured her driving a wrecking ball through religious schools. Ms Sharkey has claimed the ACL breached copyright laws by using an image of her face without her permission in what she described as an unfair attack over her vote against the now sidelined religious discrimination bill in February. Ms Sharkey said she would not allow the ACL to use her likeness to denigrate the LGBTIQ plus community, people fleeing domestic violence, going through divorce or seeking IVF treatment. And on Thursday, the ACL director, Wendy Francis, said the ACL has not been provided with any evidence that Mishaki owns the copyright. So, this is a complicated area of copyright law. So, when it comes to using photos in attack ads, everyone does this. Absolutely everyone. It's going to be really hard to make that case, surely. I think this is slightly different though potentially just because the ACL they're not a political party so I don't know the legality surrounding that to me it seems like Sharky's biggest concern would be that her opinions and her political perspective are being misrepresented publicly this is not even the first time this has happened in this campaign with Advance Australia being accused of using the images of athletes that are saying that they've got concerns about transgender women in women's sport um, a lot of those got quite heated as well and those might go back to copyright um, claims as well so I guess we're going to have to see how this all plays out it could have quite a significant impact on political advertising moving forward if someone actually does prosecute one of these cases that's about all the time that we've got for on the podcast today. Thank you for listening to the 4ZZZ Breaks the Election podcast. For more news, head to 4ZZZ.org.au forward slash news or listen to 4ZZZ on 102.1 FM on DAB plus digital radio via the 4ZZZ website or on your favourite podcasting app. If you have a tip-off or feedback about the show, please email us, newsroom at 4ZZZ.org.au. And if you would like to support this show and many others on 4ZZZ, you can go to 4ZZZ.org.au forward slash support and subscribe or make a donation today. But before we go, we should probably say, happy birthday, ScoMo. Happy birthday. Thanks for joining us today. We'll catch you later. Thank you.